Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What We Are Just Cooking. I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, and tonight we are back with a number of things happening in the world of professional wrestling. We have our quick hits. We have the highlight reel, and yes, we have the low light reel to round everything out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It's been a decent week in the world of professional wrestling. Some pretty big stories happening as well. So I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to sit here and go through the normal cavalcade of this, that, and the other. No, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. So what I want you to do is strap in, buckle up, pop open your favorite frosty beverage, and get ready to listen as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And starting off tonight with the quick hits. Number one, the WWE roster had travel issues, and many could not be at Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Uh, as it was seen at the ending of the show, Sami Zayn and uh, Matt Riddle came running up to save Kevin Owens at the ending of the show. And I'll get into that a little more during the highlight reel, but that was legit. They were legit running into the arena for the first time uh, of the night. Uh, it was not made specific why the wrestlers were held in L.A. and in California, What if it was weather or a plane issue or whatnot. But it did cause the WWE to scramble to use the roster that they had uh, that was there, which is why we saw Rey Mysterio on Monday Night Raw um, and so many others from SmackDown. Uh, I'm not getting if the with the you know recent uh, idea of the draft coming back. If uh, the WWE is going to go to a full brand split again and have you know Raw on Raw and SmackDown on SmackDown, but over the last couple of weeks, of course, it being WrestleMania season. We've seen Raw on SmackDown and SmackDown on Raw. Uh, But this past Monday, they needed to use the SmackDown roster. This is not the first time that it's happened. Uh, It's happened when the WWE got stranded in Sweden due to a volcano. It's happened due to travel arrangements and and weather issues. So this is not uh, uncommon, but it does certainly send them into scramble mode when they uh, have to see who they've got readily available. Number two, Mickey James relinquishes the Impact Women's title due to injury. And uh, Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo will battle for the vacant women's knockout title um, at the Impact pay-per-view. I don't know the exact injury. Mickey was not completely clear, except that she wanted her last rodeo to go perfect. And she was expecting things to go, you know, swimmingly until she chose to retire and and lost and was forced to retire. With that being said, I get that Mickey James is still a name. And I get that Mickey James still wants to be a part of the wrestling business. But I've said this before. You, You get the figure, you get to the point of you're wondering why isn't she retiring gracefully the way Trish did, the way Lita did. Uh, and yes, Trish and Lita have come back for WrestleMania season, and we'll get into that as well uh, a little more uh, a little later on during the highlight reel and the low light reel. But they they just came back as part timers; they're not going to be there full time. Mickey is on a full time schedule, doing shows with NWA, being on Impact, doing independent shows. I just don't think that she can handle it anymore. And this is not a knock at her. This is not my usual. Uh, BS where I talk badly about Mickey James. No, I feel for her because she had to relinquish the title. 
and it comes off just two weeks after Josh Alexander had to relinquish the Impact World Heavyweight title. So now it seems like Impact is in disarray. Whatever the case, I wish Mickey a speedy recovery. I hope that she is back in the ring and they can finish off the the last rodeo. I do hope that they keep her away from the title, though, because if she is going to become injury-prone and this is going to be constant, then maybe it's for the best that she does not hold any major titles. But that's just me. Number three, Drew McIntyre goes dark on social media. On Twitter, Drew McIntyre took away all mention of the WWE and basically took away his bio. Uh, The question has been why, and it is because the WWE, with their negotiations for Drew, are not offering him the exact amount of money, dates, and push that he thinks that he deserves. Now, I don't say that with, uh, you know, a little bit of harshness there. No. Drew McIntyre deserves to be pushed. Drew McIntyre deserves to be in the spotlight. Drew McIntyre deserves to be paid like a main eventer. Because during the COVID era, excuse me, during the COVID era and uh, that whole Thunderdome, no fans, fans on computer screens and all that, Drew McIntyre carried the company. And I believe that he deserves to be pushed and given a better spot on the roster. His matchup at WrestleMania with Sheamus and Walter was fantastic. And I think that all three of those men should be in the upper echelon of the roster right now. But if Drew is being kind of manipulated and dicked around and not given what he deserves, then I understand why he would go dark on social media and wait till he knows exactly what's going on with his career, whether it is that his WWE contract finally expires and he is free to go where he wants, or if he does resign, but they continue their negotiations until he gets what he wants. Whatever the case may be, I would not expect to see Drew on television for a little while, uh, and that kind of sucks because he is one of the brighter spots on SmackDown, along with, like I said, Sheamus and Walter. And finally, number four, CM Punk reportedly in talks with AEW for a return. CM Punk has sent out feelers and had talks with all members of the higher-ups in AEW about a possible return. He said that he is willing to work with the Elite, with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. He is willing to put this all behind him because he wants to return because he does miss wrestling. Now, this is more than I could say for what Punk was saying when he left the WWE on bad terms, and it does lend the question, is this real? Is this propaganda? Is he just gaslighting? Is he hoping that they finally settle his contract so he can be done with AEW? Or is he legit really trying to come back? In any indication, there is talks of an AEW television show being put on on Saturday nights. uh, And that that would be Punk's primary show. A two-hour wrestling show that would highlight Punk and other members of the AEW roster. But would keep him away from guys that he does not enjoy being around or has problems with in the business. Now, I am not the biggest CM Punk supporter or biggest CM Punk hater by any means necessary. I love CM Punk, or I loved him, and when he returned to AEW, I thought it was a great time for wrestling, and I thought it was going to help that company. And it did help them reach the 1 million fans mark, but it was definitely not helping them in long-term ways. If he cannot keep his attitude in check, if he cannot act like a civilized adult, and if he is going to continue to cause problems, then he has no reason to be in that company. But if he is going to put everything in the right frame of mind, and get back into it and help this company grow, and maybe for the better, then I'm all for it. And I say bring back CM Punk because it is needed. There is talks of him returning at the Chicago show in June 
for AEW, which is still about a month and a half to two months out. And if that is the case, then by all means, let's see it. Let's see what the Chicago fans do when CM Punk returns. But as they say in the wrestling business, there is never say never when it comes to the WWE, AEW, or any wrestling company for that matter. And when it comes to the wrestling business, nothing is for sure. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Moving on to the highlight reel now. And we're going to start off with Monday Night Raw. And as I said, Rey Mysterio appeared on Monday Night Raw, cut a decent promo. Eminem was interrupted by Dominic, and he wanted to get Dominic in the ring. But old Dommy wouldn't uh, face his dad again. So Finn Balor took over. And Rey Mysterio and Finn Balor in the opening match is number one. They put on one hell of a one-on-one matchup for over 25 minutes. It was like Triple H said, go out there and do your best and do all you can. Because we ain't got that many people on the roster anyway, so I, I can't flood the show with matches, <laughs> you know? So go out there and take as much time as you need, guys. Uh, Balor got the win, which I enjoyed, because it is finally time for the Judgment Day to start winning if they're going to make this a serious uh, faction. And it was good to see Ray do business. Number two, Cody Rhodes promo. Cody once again cut a heartfelt promo, had the fans behind him, and was truly telling us what he feels and wants in this business. He's pissed that he lost to Roman Reigns, and now he's uh, pissed at what happened with uh, Brock Lesnar. Cody versus Brock Lesnar is what is on the tentative card for Backlash in the main event in Puerto Rico, and if that is the case, I'm all for it. But I will say this. Uh, I think that it sucks that they left the title on a part-timer like Roman Reigns. That's right, in my opinion, he's a part-timer because he's there once a week. Uh, Once every few weeks, uh, maybe twice a month. Uh, And if he can't appear on every wrestling show and the World Heavyweight title is not featured, then that is BS. So, But Cody versus Brock is definitely a great matchup. And for a Backlash pay-per-view, will do for now. Number three, the Usos taking on the Alpha Academy. Again, this was another 25-minute matchup where two teams went out there and laid it all on the line. A couple of times it looked like the Alpha Academy would get the win. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of hoping that they would because the Usos, having come off a loss for the tag team titles, it would have been nice to see them kind of like these heels in parallel and losing, pushing some tag teams. But as we all know, the Usos kind of get a little bit more leeway in the WWE and do get wins. They did get the win here, but Alpha Academy looked great in this outing. And finally, Solo Sokoa versus Kevin Owens. This was the matchup that got the most time on Monday Night Raw. Almost 30 minutes of these two big bulls going one-on-one. Owens looked good, but was selling the leg injury throughout the entire matchup. Uh, Solo is becoming a star slowly but surely and is being pushed to the moon. And I, for one, am happy about it. Uh, We saw Solo Sokoa get the win at the 30-minute mark, which I think is needed. I think that Solo needs to continue to beat these former World Heavyweight Champions and some of the bigger names of the company so that he can continue to push forward forward with that uh, enforcer uh, gimmick that they're giving him. You know what I mean? He is the next Umaga. He is the next big thing in the Samoan dynasty. Push him as such. Moving over to NXT. And... The new NXT champion, Carmella Hayes' opening promo with Dragon Lee, J.D. McDowell, and Grayson Waller was very good. 
the youth of the company getting center stage, all four of those guys deserving of time. Carmelo Hayes is a great, I'm going to continue to be a great NXT champion. Uh, Dragon Lee, still a newcomer, but doing fantastic things in his opening few matches in NXT. J.D. McDoe is uh, on the rise as well. And Grayson Waller, although I do not like his character, can go in the ring. Number two, Alba Fire and Isle of Dawn taking on uh, Fallon Henry and uh, Kiana James. Uh, this was a rematch from Sand and Deliver. Alba and Dawn got the win again uh, after, you know, Briggs uh, and Jensen could not uh, see eye to eye. Uh, looks like Fallon and uh, Kiana are finally falling apart and that uh, Fire and Dawn can move forward and uh, continue to be the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. Number three, Chase Yu and Braun Breaker's promo. Chase Yu has gotten a little bit stale and corny, but uh, I don't know where they're going with Duke Hudson, so that's still a question that is making me want to see where they go next. Braun Breaker said he would not be taking his spot in the Fatal 4-Way for the number one contendership to the NXT title. And he gave it away to Duke Hudson and then speared the crap out of uh, Andre Chase when he was aiming for Hudson. Braun said that he does not need the NXT title. The title is a cancer to him and that he does not need the fans anymore. A good heel promo, and I think that could help this kid develop <coughs> into a heel <coughs> the size of his Uncle Scotty. But I do, again, would like to stress that I hope there is some Steiner math down in the future for him. Number four, Gigi Dolan's vignette. It was short but sweet, seeing her where she came from, what she had to do, and what she plans on doing in the future with uh, J.C. Jane is definitely something I wanted to see. It gives her character depth, and we don't usually see these type of vignettes for wrestlers that have been there for quite some time. So it was nice to see WWE change it up a bit and give us something about somebody who's been there a couple of years. And number five, Grayson Waller, Duke Hudson, Dragon Lee, and J.D. McDoe in a fatal four-way for the NXT World Heavyweight title number one contendership. Waller got the win. Uh, and it was a 20-minute masterpiece between all four of these guys, throwing everything they could at each other. I was a little shocked that Waller got the win, considering he had two title matches against Braun Breaker. But I guess that uh, Carmelo Hayes does need a heel uh, to go up against him for the title right now until Braun is ready to be his challenger yet again. Uh, in any case, Waller got the win. Carmelo came out. They got face-to-face, -face, and these two will meet in the future for the NXT Championship. Moving over to MLW now, and number one, Real One versus Mance Warner, Justice, and Microman. Now, I thought this was a little bit of a comedy match, but then they started breaking out the furniture, and Real One took an ass-whipping. Uh, as I mentioned last week, he was let go by MLW. He finally released and no longer has a home there, but again, these... Uh, matches were taped weeks ago, so he's going to be featured on TV for just a little while longer. As the real one was taking his ass-whipping, the calling, and Raven came out and took out Mance Warner and Justice uh, and is leading us to War Chamber next week. So that is going to be huge, and I like where they're going with the uh, second gear crew and Hammerstone and the calling and Raven. Uh, number two. Davey Boy Smith Jr. taking on Alex Kane in a no-ropes-catches-catch-can match. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. 25 minutes of two guys just having a straight-up wrestling match. No flips, no bumps, just straight-up 
mat wrestling. It was fantastic. Kane tried to use his bottle of juice again to blind uh, the British Bulldog. But no, this time Davy Boy ducked underneath, put on a rear naked choke, and choked out Alex Kane to get the win. Unbelievable matchup. If you didn't get a chance to see it, guys, on Reels, if you don't have the Reels channel, find it on YouTube because it was a fantastic watch. And number three, Akira versus Calvin Tankman. This was a battle of two different styles. Tankman is a 300-pound boulder, and Akira is a cruiserweight. But let me tell you something. They mixed so well together and went back and forth. And then, of course, it ended with a big brawl between Hammerstone and the second gear crew and the Calling and Raven. Great episode of MLW this week. Uh, over on AEW, and I will say this, and this is not a knock at AEW, but not a whole lot on Dynamite to be, you know, uh, uh, big about, you know, and be in the highlight reel, in my opinion. Number one, Darby Allen and uh, Swerve Strickland had a great 22-minute opener, which Darby got the win for. Uh, Swerve tried everything in the book to get the win, but Darby pushed forward and got a huge win, and then was greeted by MJF who tried to tell Darby off and kind of belittle Darby. Darby fought back with his promo and uh, kind of buried Max a little bit, which was good. He needs it. But then this brought out Sting. Sting came out further burying MJF. When I say bury, what I mean is actually did a great job at pissing MJF off, getting the fans behind him. Sting says that he thinks Darby, as one of the four pillars, will be the next AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And really put Max in his place. And finally, number three, Orange Cassidy and Buddy Matthews for the International Heavyweight Championship. Again, when you go into an Orange Cassidy match, you expect there to be a lot of comedy. Well, that wasn't here. That was not what this was about. Cassidy fought because he was injured and had a great matchup. Buddy Matthews, innovative, and did a lot of incredible things in that ring against uh, Orange Cassidy. Cassidy, though, gutted it out. Got the win with a sneaky mousetrap pin at the 20-minute mark. And that is where I kind of checked out on AEW after that. Because the rest of it was a lot of run-ins and useless matches that did not make any sense. And again, you want to call it a knock at AEW, go right ahead. I've been very, very uh, you know pissed at them because of the way they've been handling their shows lately. It just wasn't good in my opinion. Moving over to SmackDown now. And number one, Xavier Woods taking on LA Knight. And I know... I crapped on how this match came together last week because of a uh, wrestling video game and uh, controller. Uh, but these two, for 20 minutes, did a damn fine job on the open-up SmackDown. Uh, Knight is a star. Xavier Woods is a pretty decent, um, I guess, wrestler, I should say, but good on the mic as well uh, when it's not all New Day. And uh, I'm interested to see where they go between him and Gunther from here. Uh, Woods got the win. I would have liked to see Knight get the win, but as I've said before, he could eat a win and then come right back with a great promo. Number two, Santos Escobar and Damian Priest for 28 minutes killed it on SmackDown. If you did not watch this matchup Friday night, I implore you go back and see this matchup. If you don't want to see anything else that went on on SmackDown, make sure you see this matchup because those two did everything they could, push that match to the extreme, the uh, LWO got involved, Judgment Day got involved, and Damian Priest got the win to further push that faction even further. Uh, and finally, oh, excuse me, number three, the return of Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, 
it was great to see Nakamura back after he missed the Royal Rumble. He hasn't been around in the last couple months. He has been injured, and uh, he looked fresh. He looked new. It was great to see him back. It was a throwaway match against Madcap Moss because he got the win in like five minutes, uh, but Nakamura looked great. The question I have, though, is when did Madcap Moss and Emma turn heel? Because they were definitely healing it up on SmackDown this week, and that makes no sense whatsoever. And finally, now we're on point, uh, Solo Skull versus Matt Riddle in the main event. And again, Solo is being pushed to the moon. I guess if Roman can't be there, give us his baby cousin. Solo and Matt Riddle had a great 20-minute matchup here. They uh, fought all over the arena uh, on the outside floor. And yes, we saw Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and the Usos get involved. Uh, and then match broke down. And Solo threw the announce table, yes, lifted it up, and threw it over the prone body of Matt Riddle to end the show. Now, before the match started, Solo let uh, Paul Heyman know to let Roman Reigns know that he's got it. He will handle the problem that is Matt Riddle. Uh, well, I'm going to say here uh, that I was shocked to hear Solo speak, but he definitely handled the problem. Problem solved, ladies and gentlemen, to end off Friday Night SmackDown. And finally, on AEW Rampage, number one, Aussie Open taking on the best friends. What a great opener. 15 minutes, these two teams threw everything they had at each other, and then some. Uh, Aussie Open is the new IWGP Tag Team Champions. And uh, the best friends, again, a comedy routine, but can still go when they're in there with real uh, tag team challengers. Aussie Open got the win. Crowd was very, very hyped up for it. Number two, FTR's promo. Let me tell you something. When Dax and Cash speak, you want to listen. These guys are all hard. They are definitely slowly becoming uh, a, a mainstay in AEW, you know, homegrown stars, even though they weren't there from the very beginning. And I am happy that they are back at being the World Tag Team Champions. They mentioned that they signed a four-year deal with AEW this time around, and they will be there until they retire. Now, whether or not that is the exact truth, we will have to wait and see in four years. But it is great to see that that legit tag team will be sticking around in AEW. Number three, Taya Valkyrie versus Emi Sakura. Hard-hitting 10-minute matchup. Taya got the win. Then it got, got ambushed by Layla Gray. Layla almost got hit with the uh, road to Valhalla. But no, Jade Cargill comes in, delivers a pump kick, and delivers her own jaded to take out Taya. I like where this feud is going. And number four, Jungle Boy versus Sean Spears in the main event. 15 minutes of two guys who don't get enough TV time, in my my opinion. When was the last time we saw Sean Spears? You know what I mean? Uh, great delivery from both. Jungle Boy got the win, and then he and Sean Spears shook hands. And Sean let him know that it's time for him to go out and grab a hold of the gold. So, interesting to see what's going on with the four pillars of AEW and where it will lead to from here on out. And now, finally, it is time for the low light reel. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to go ahead and start off with Monday Night Raw. Dominic's Mysterio's promo to open Raw. He flubbed his lines. He was a big hot mess. And I'm just not buying the whole Dominic Mysterio experience anymore. I wasn't before, but he did a great job at WrestleMania. And now it's just like he shit all over that. In my opinion, it might be right to let Dominic get some more seasoning. You know, his dad is Rey Mysterio. But it doesn't seem like Dominic is learning anything, and he's just going through the motions. That's just me, though. 
Number two, Trish Stratus turning on Becky Lynch on Raw. If you did not much watch Monday Night Raw, Lita was taken out by somebody. Some are saying it's damage control. Some are saying it was Trish. So Trish stepped in and defended the Raw and SmackDown women's tag team titles with Becky against the team of Liv Morgan and Raquel Diaz. Liv and Raquel got the win. After the match, Becky and Trish embraced. They were fine. And then Trish hit this awful-looking forearm and began to beat down Becky. It was an awkward-looking heel turn. I don't understand why it had to be a heel turn and why couldn't they go one-on-one face versus face. Uh, It was just weird all around. Number three, Cora Jade's promo on NXT. This young lady is beautiful. She is great in the ring, but she is really yet to learn how to speak. And I just don't understand where she was going. She was going around in circles. She talked about Roxanne. She talked about Indy Hartwell. She talked even talked about uh, Zoe Stark, but yet didn't make any sense when she got down to it. Like, who is her target? Does she want to be NXT Women's Champion, or is she interested in a feud? It just does, and then here came Lyra, Lyra Valkyrie, who I know nothing about. Seems like she's a woodland creature, and you know, got in her face, and then Cora took off. Very weird segment. Number four, Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow segment on Dynamite. I understand they are trying to build up these two guys. They are both young, they are both impressionable, and they're trying to give them the push in the right direction. But this BS attempt at an Attitude Era moment where Wardlow pulls up, takes out Powerhouse Hobbs' car, and all Hobbs does is sit there and then goes to meet up Silas Young again, his opponent, to have Wardlow then come out, and then get, they get into a brawl and then get separated is ridiculous. If a guy is outside destroying your car, why are you not running out there and beating the crap out of him? Why are you not leaving the building? Why are you not, you know what I mean? It was really ridiculous I'm done with Wardlow being pushed because they've completely fell flat with everything they've done with him now since he left MJF. And Powerhouse Hobbs isn't getting no help from T. Marshall and his group of misfits. That's all i got to say, though. Number five, the uh, Blackpool Combat Club taking on uh, Cutler and Mazawa from Dynamite as well. This was just bad. This is really what you want your Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion Cesaro, Claudio Castanali, and John Moxley doing. You know what I mean? This is just getting overly done gruesome. The blood is ridiculous. The blood is overdone. Moxley can't cut a promo. Claudio doesn't get to speak. Neither does Wheeler Yuta. Brian is there every now and then. And then, oh, great, here comes the elite. And they have this fight. Okay, I'm all for that. But then Omega almost stabs Moxley in the head with a screwdriver, but he gets pulled from the ring by Claudio. You know what I'm, I'm really struggling here to forget? Didn't Moxley and Kenny Omega have that horrible match that was called an exploding ring death match and then the ring didn't explode? Is that what we're setting up for the, again and only in a six-man tag? Is that really the route that they're going here? I would have thought they would have wanted to keep Moxley and and Omega away from each other after that abomination. But that's just me. Number six, over on SmackDown, Liv Morgan and Raquel Diaz promo with uh, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. My God, Liv Morgan cannot cut a promo to save her life. Raquel looked like a deer in headlights. And then here come two women who are, in my opinion, given way too much TV time but never wrestling. 
Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green are constantly involved in a promo, are constantly bitching. Their characters are them bitching that they don't get title shots, but yet they get more title shots than I've ever seen. I mean, this was just an all-around train wreck. Bad move by putting these four women together. And that is apparently the next matchup for Liv and Raquel defending their titles against Green and DeVille. Wow. Bad, bad, bad. And finally, number seven, the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, rapping on Rampage to close the show. My God. I understand they're going against the acclaimed. I understand this is where they're going with this feud. But damn. They couldn't have let this been Daniel Garcia and Jake Hager instead of Daddy Magic and Douchebag Galore or whatever the hell their names are. I don't I don't even know. 2.0. They were horrible in NXT. They're horrible in AEW. It is just bad. And I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it, and I never will. But that's just me, ladies and gentlemen. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. And uh, I want to remind you to check out the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Check out Reliving the Extreme. Check out The Year That Was a Slice of Time. And also check out the Nothing But Trouble podcast. I am on pretty much all of those shows at any given time of the week. Uh, This week on the Nothing But Trouble podcast, though, we will be talking about things that we had in the 80s and 90s that our children do not have here in the 2020s. So uh, make sure you take a look out for that. It'll be dropping uh, or it might be already dropped as of this Sunday. Uh, Again, I want to thank you guys for joining me. I want to tell you to have a great night. And I want to let you know that I will see you next time on If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking.